Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast. Today, we have started the third book or the third third of uh, the White Sand Omnibus. We read chapters 13, 14 and 15, wherein there's some meetings. There's some assassination attempts. Chris takes a test and she fails. I guess she didn't study hard enough for that one. And uh, we, uh, we we make even better friends with Delius, who uh, loses his job. We got the return of Bayon and the departure of another character who came over from Darkseid. And uh, I don't remember which one of them it was, because once again, the stupid two professors, I never remember which one is which, so we'll get there when we get there. Anyway, I'm Tana. It was Akron. Akron, for reference. <laughs> and with me is... Jack. It's Joe. And Jamie. So hang on to something, everybody. The Sander Lanch is about to begin. Rusted right up on the gold and shine. Visions of the ancient and divine. Far beyond the brittle bounds of time and dream. Power in the voice of family. Trials of competence and agony. Pass ahead already So yeah, but before we get started and I get y'all's opinions on these, we talked a lot last time about the artist change and uh, the the art style of that one chapter that was so very different from the other chapters. And afterwards, I went out and did a little research, so I was going to share with you guys what I found. I mentioned that at the time there was a lot of kind of uproar about the art change, and then going back and looking at posts on Reddit and the 17th Shard forums from the time, there was actually a lot more people being like, I like this a lot better than the old one. Apparently... There were lots of issues with the first artist, that first line artist that people had, and not just the fans, but also apparently Brandon, which may have contributed to the artist change. Officially, the only real word that was released that I could find on why the art the artist changed in the middle of this book uh, is that the original was having troubles making deadlines. But Brandon has come out and said some stuff that if you're reading between the lines, sounds like maybe he wasn't a fan of how this guy was doing stuff. And not just like the art continuity stuff that we saw, although I saw comments about even more stuff where somebody said that there's at one point a discussion where some piece of clothing is like the focus of the discussion. It's very important to the discussion. But that piece of clothing doesn't actually isn't isn't being worn by the character like the artist didn't put that in even though it's the focal point of the scene so uh, i don't i'm not I, I couldn't figure out where that was supposed to be but there was a lot of complaints like that but brandon had one major complaint in that when he was designing the world and writing the story it is intentional and you guys brought it up before that like the people from dark side have darker skin and I don't remember if we talked about it, but somebody uh, either emailed or, or mentioned on the Discord that Brandon has said that there's like more UV light or something from that star on dark side than there is from the star on light side. And that's why the even though it's not as light there, they have darker skin. But the intention was that dark side is supposed to be more technologically and culturally advanced. And so he was he was trying to do this juxtaposition where it's like this society is way more advanced than the society on day side. And they're like these darker skinned people, which then in the first book, there's a big fight uh, with this between the Sandmasters and the Christians. And Brandon was very unhappy about how that was depicted because the Christians have darker skin than he intended. And he said, it looked like some traditional European 
Eurocentric thing where it was like, these lighter skin people are fighting the dark skin savages. And even in, in the version he wrote, like they're supposed to be wearing armor and look more advanced than they're made to look here, which is kind of savage. And like none of them even have shirts or anything. So he was not happy with uh, some of the decisions that were made in the cultural depictions that uh, actually he felt like was exactly against what he was trying to say with the book. So, uh, yeah, there may have been multiple reasons why that artist did not maintain uh, his presence. I mean, yeah, if you're going to make uh, an error of that magnitude, I feel like that's that, that, that's that's yeah. grounds for a parting ways creatively. Sure, sure. Yeah. You know, your your job cannot repel differences of that magnitude. But yeah, so people people seem happy and then even happier when we get into book three and people are like this art style is good, more complex mm-hmm. than that one chapter. And uh, and it, you, we don't run into a lot of the problems that have to be cut out. Like I was trying to do a comparison right. like I did last time where I looked at the original version of the book and compared it to this one. And while there's still some textual changes, there's almost none of like the art gaffes that were pulled mm. out in the last section. Yeah, no, I, I think this section looks beautiful. So anyway, just a quick note to kind of an update on our discussion from last time. So what did you guys think of these three chapters? Uh, well, since we're talking about it, I think the art worked out pretty well. It was like the happy medium between like the super detailed art of like the first many chapters and then like the much more simplistic art of the last one. Not simplistic, cleaner, cleaner. Hmm. Yeah. And like the art in this one seemed to be like the middle ground between those two things. And I, I, I thought it looked really nice. So I, um, I thought that was really good. Story wise, nice to get the identity of Nilto. I thought, oh, that's clever. I didn't see that coming. So well played i gotta tell you i am pretty sick of this book and chapters that end with suddenly assassins appeared because <laughs> this is because it's happened like here this, this has got to be at least the third time potentially fourth and i'm like there are only 16 chapters in this thing how can you end so many on suddenly assassins like stop it there's got to be other things you can do Suddenly, there. Were, i'm trying to think of something else that could be said i guess it could be like a big uh, santhid sand creature Mm. Is that the same or, as uh, yeah, that'd be uh, that'd be fun. But yeah, no, on the whole, this like story was good. I like Bayon's return. <laughs> Man, Lord Admiral absolutely pulling out just like I, I was planning this from the start, assholes. And like I, I love that guy. He's great. Isn't he though? He's uh he, he's kind of a delight. And uh, <laughs> yeah. you, you you think back to kind of when we first had the meeting with him, and he has that like sinister l- smile that he ends on, and you guys are like I don't know what's up with this guy. He just, yeah, he just pulls out. It's like, these guys fucked over my life, and I'm going to fuck them over right back. And it is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, this section uh, this section is delightful, as as he just said. Yeah, I, I really like the art style in this section that we read. It honestly, to me, it's like a reminiscent between like a Todd McFarlane era Marvel and like DC Watchmen era. Like, I don't know. That's kind of the vibe I got from from the art style, and I really liked it. It looked, I mean, honestly, to me, it looked extremely professional, like comic book art. And so I was I was definitely there for it. Reminded me of some some good X Men issues as well. But yeah, I was excited to see uh, see the art this go around. It uh, there wasn't like a I didn't feel like there were any misses with it. You know, there wasn't one thing that was depicted that I was like mm, that shouldn't look like that. I, I uh, I liked all of it. So, mm. uh, and yeah, this section was great for some some answers. We got some payoffs. A random thing I threw out last week turned out to be true, so that yeah, was cool. True. Yep. And so yeah, it was uh, a good time for sure. Yeah, the I think think the Lord Admiral's my new hero. He's awesome. <laughs>
And the Kenton stuff, I mean, I feel like his character development's been a little weird. It like kind of rocks back and forth. You think he's going the right way, and then he kind of goes back the other way a little bit, and it's a little strange to follow, but it's not bad. Yeah, I still think there's something weird going on with Eric. I don't know if there's a lot of time to address that going forward in the next little part that we have left. But yeah, I was uh, I'm excited to see how this all concludes. It sounds it seems like it's going to be pretty interesting. And we're right up against that conclusion. We're going for anyone who hasn't been paying attention, we're going to finish this next episode. So this was this was all the setup, I guess, for the. The, the big payoff in the last three chapters. But uh, I, I do like you calling out the, uh, you're like, hey, I made that kind of offhand thing, and then it turned out to be true, which I, I when we recorded the last one, I was like, oh, 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 good show. <laughs> yeah, I honestly. What are you talking about? So I, last week, I was like, there's something going on with Nilto. I don't know that it's, that he's the guy Ace thinks he is, but there's something going on with him. And then we, Data kind of prodded me a little bit, which I guess maybe, in hindsight, I should have like thought about, but anyway, I was like, well, I don't know. He had he had her lover's like stuff. Maybe like he knew him, or maybe it is him. And uh, then that turned out to be true. Oh, I don't even remember you saying that. Yeah, yeah. He was he he was he was like like who, who is Nilto? Like is he secretly? And I was just like, well, I mean, so if he was secretly somebody, who could that even be? Like who is in our who, who? If we have yet another secret identity, like who could? It be? And he was like, I don't maybe maybe Gavin. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't nice. realize yep. that the Lord Beggar had been around for such a short period of time. No, me neither. Yeah, there's like no indication in the story. That it's like, oh yeah, he's only been around for a year or so, whatever, however long it's been. Yeah, because without having power, he, he seems to have really so quick. much power. Well, yeah. and I, 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 it begs the question: like, is the Lord Beggar a title like the other titles, mm. where it's like the people say they bring forth a person and say this is our Lord Beggar, and then it can switch into different people? Maybe. In my mind, it's just like nobody gave a crap about the poor people before this, before him. And so even though it's only been a year, he's the guy doing something for the poor. So obviously the poor like him. And so that's how he gets his power with the people is by being the only one who gives a crap about them. Yeah, that's true, too. Could be. Got shot in the face, though. That's pretty messed up. Right? Yeah, I mean, it, it explains the questions that we've had since the beginning about, like, what's up with this dude? <laughs> why, why his face, though? You don't have one no more. Yeah, that would that would suck. But it makes it easier to go around anonymously. Well, I guess I guess that's the question. Is it... You're covering your face, but if you're never not covering your face like that, is it really anonymous? You just people just know you as mummy guy instead of whoever you are. Yeah, but your 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 royal family back home don't uh, yeah. come looking for you. Uh, yeah, good point. Yep. Well, that's the main thing. That's really the only people he's hiding from are the people from back home. So as long as they don't know who he is, it doesn't matter. True. True. Yeah, I thought these these chapters were good. It was it was good to get a few. Extra little bits of information. Um, our, our former Lord Admiral, though, I think takes the cake in this one. You knew there was something going on with him, but I love that it was just his whole big revenge plot. Also, big questions as to why do they want to promote people into these roles, but then not make them attractive roles? Like, surely going, cool, we're going to vote you in as as the Lord Admiral, but you lose all of your possessions and have no ability to do anything you're just going to be a figurehead for the time but we want you to do right by us just doesn't it doesn't seem right yeah obviously why would you vote (laughs) the way that they want you to vote if uh, you don't want to be there yeah 
Yeah, so <laughs> I completely get why he is the way he is now and he's just squandering <laughs> all of the money everywhere. But, yeah, good. I, I find that I'm, I really have no idea how it's going to wrap up. I feel like my brain goes in one direction and then it's like, boom, by the way, there's this thing. And it's like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> we'll try again. Start again. Yeah, I feel like there's so much still to close off in three chapters. I don't quite know how we're going to get it there. but Isn't that every we'll time we read one of these? Every time. <laughs> every time. So you, uh, in particular, Jamie, from the beginning have been kind of like, this is one of those short stories and I always expect them to be more complicated than they are because of how short they are. So yep. do you feel like this one has, has kind of in, increased in complexity by uh, oh. now that we're about to hit the end? Or do you still feel like, eh, it's not really where I thought it would be? I still feel like there is a lot going on that I just don't know how they're going to wrap it all up and then me to go, oh, that's really cool at the end. Like, it's a good story. And I like, I like hearing all the things that are happening, but there's so many storylines sort of still, you know, what, what the hell's going on with Eric? Uh, Tracked Ace is trying to work on Sharazan and well, I don't think it's going to be Nilto because now we've got, we know who Nilto is. And presumably Sharazan's been around for a lot longer. Mm. But I could be wrong there. I don't know how they're going to wrap up all these bits that we've been looking at and then put them together to make sense. I feel like it's too short a story to have multiple storylines like that maybe don't interlap, it, it, it overlap. So I don't know. I feel like it is complicated, but I can't really tell you whether they've made it overcomplicated until we get to the end. That's There's true. some bits that you read, and I couldn't even remember what they were, but I remember reading one part, and I was like, I just feel like this storyline is not necessary. But maybe it is, because we don't know yet. <laughs> yeah, you, you said that. I'm immediately like, what What part of the story? Like, I feel like maybe the Lord Beggar storyline, you'd be like, what, what is the point of any of this until it gets to this one? And you're like, oh, okay, so it ties back. Okay, I get it now. Yeah, if, if I hit on it when we go through it, if I hit on what it was that made me think, I'll speak up, but I yeah, I can't remember what it was, and it was something that I was like, yeah, this doesn't, why is this even here? It's got to contribute to the story somehow, but it just didn't make sense at the time. Fair enough. And and we, we also know from past experience that sometimes the, these little nagging questions can just linger at the end, and you're like, mm. oh, man. Yeah, I think yeah. the my number one concern for the end of this story is, like, if Chris doesn't get go home with something to help her people, that's going to be kind of disappointing. But we know that her story doesn't end here, so I guess that's also good. But true, we she, you, you can be pretty sure she's not gonna die. Unless Bayon. Chris is just a super common name and someone <laughs> takes true. up. <laughs> I was gonna say Bayon takes <laughs> up the Nilto mantle again. of Chris and becomes Chris. It sounds like the, like the Chris mm. we've known throughout the costume is actually just Hoyt in drag. That would be a thing. <laughs> you you wouldn't have expected it. Hoyd, uh, Hoyd danced with wax at that party. The same party where Hoyd was outside as a beggar, he later dances inside with wax in drag. That would that would be a really interesting day for him. He's very good at quick changes. Apparently. It'd be like Olaf can dance on Disney Plus, but it's Hoyd. <laughs> oh my gosh, I forgot that was a thing. Like you said Olaf presents and it took me a minute to f figure out what you were talking about, and then it like came rushing back, like, oh my gosh, there was oh wow, yeah. Yeah. Hoyd plays all of the roles. <laughs> They're dead. Okay, let's 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 do these chapters. So we start out chapter thirteen. Delegate to accumulate is still a, a chapter title that I enjoy. So I say it again. It, tracked Ace goes to visit the High Judge, who are still like, what is this lady's deal? Why is she even doing this stuff? And Ace is kind of impressed with Kenton. I mean, she still hates him and would be happy to see him dead. 
but impressed nonetheless. And we get her perspective on Chris showing up and be like, I want to be a Sandmaster. And Trenton's like, yeah, all right. Wait, what? I mean, sure. You can be part of the change of the DM. There's as I was going through and looking for differences, this is one of the speech differences that I noticed. And it's very small. But in the original version, Kenton says, you should be a part of that change. And here he says, you can be a part of that change. And so there was a you know, he feels a little more strongly about Chris, Chris's involvement in that version. Somebody in the discord also pointed out that in the original prose version, Chris, Chris's character is much more kind of superior and like snooty. She's like, you know, she's a duchess and clearly above all of these primitives over here and that sort of thing. And so she has kind of a different character arc than what we've seen in this book because she's not quite that bad here. Yeah. It still sort of comes up like Bayon's just like, uh, you know, maybe I'll teach you to see the people and not just the office or whatever right. it was he was saying to mm, her. So yeah. there's still elements of it, but I can see what you mean. It's definitely stripped back. Yeah, there are. I think so much to an extent that when they do kind of show up, some of them are a little jarring. You're like, why does she think that way? And then you're like, oh, yeah, there's this side to her that she's like snooty or whatever. But like it's. It's almost maybe because we of what we already know about her later, it almost seems out of character. It's like kind of like, well, that doesn't seem right for this person, but they're doing it, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure why they elected to have us see this scene through Ace's report, but maybe it just gives you the chance to for to show that Ace is like, oh, yeah, he's maturing. He's either maturing or he's thrashing around like a man sinking in deep sand. I dare not speculate which. And then we get a little look at Sherazan's uh, organization and how they're trying to take that down at the same time. She's, Which, uh, and this this threw me because I'm like, I thought High Judge was telling Tract Ace not to look into the Sherazan thing while she's looking after uh, Kenton. So why does she even ask? So this, I think, strengthens <laughs> my theory that she is Sherazan or at least mm. uh, like is, is sponsoring Sherazan because... She, she's like, uh, oh, yeah, I know you had an operation that went to disaster searching for him. I want to hear how that went. That's an interesting point. You, it could totally be read that way. Yeah, because you're right. Like what reason if if Ace is not supposed to be on it, then why would she think Ace can have any information? Although maybe maybe yeah. she assumes that Ace because Ace is like a police captain, basically, is the senior track. So maybe she assumes that like she's getting reports from her mm. underlings or whatever, and she will deliver it. Yeah. yeah or. Maybe. Maybe this ties into the section later where it's like you were warned where that was actually a message for Ace from the high judge. It's like you were warned to drop this case, but I don't know. Yeah. Plus, but I still think after, after Joe said it, it's like she just looks like mum from Futurama. And now yeah, I, I can't. can't stop seeing it now. <laughs> so she's, she, 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 yeah. she's obviously she's just mum. Yeah. In this art style, especially, I was like, oh, yeah, that's like if mom was an X-Men <laughs> and uh, she had a mutant power of being intimidating or something. I don't That's think the one. I don't think the the Dracula Pompadour is quite as uh, as obvious in this art style as it was before, but I don't know. But Ace has her best man on it. Ooh, I I guess this is this is that guy we met earlier who I was like I don't think we even get a name for him. We got a name for him now, so that's good. Uh, what is his name? His name is Tane, and Tane finds a message on a dead body from Sherzan. I warned you. Also, we didn't talk about it the first time, but Sherzan's signature is kind of badass. Like the so the skull with a Z on it. Eh, it struck me as kind of Zoro-y, and that kind of took me out of it. I was like, yeah, Last I don't know about that. Did, I, I had not considered that. So Zoro, Evil Zoro, got it. That's his new name, or her new name. 
falling into the trap of they keep calling him he. <laughs> okay, so Ace comes back to the DM. Where's that Where's that Lord Maestral guy? And uh, she watches him for a while. He's like, oh, I didn't hear you come in. And she's like, yeah, so you wouldn't have heard an assassin, dumbass. Maybe you should pay more attention. <laughs> if I'm Kenton, I'm just like, oh, hey, man, hey, there's no need to be an asshole. <laughs> and... So he's trying to figure out how, like, the, the Lord Admiral thing works. And he's like, geez, this is really confusing. So the Lord Admiral's elected by the ship owner circle, which is like a small percentage of the overall uh, members, members of the whatever you call that profession. I'm not even sure that we know the name. I'm sure we do, actually. It was listed earlier. I don't remember it is what I should say. So so why would they elect someone like Delius? The Helm's Charter allows him an unlimited food and drinks budget, which maybe maybe you should have not made that unlimited when you're making your. Uh, but they probably didn't expect anybody to do. <laughs> I guess the idea was we said they didn't expect that. <laughs> right. I guess the idea was, well, we take everything you own, so you have no way to provide food for yourself. So yeah. we will supply you with any food or drink you need. But I guess that includes, like, if he get, throws a party, they provide the food and drinks because he was telling Kenton to waste some wine at the party. So you just party yeah. all the time. I think that's what he's been doing. That's true. Like, he's definitely partying himself all the time. But I'm like, you could like you could have a, a, a just a house party going constantly. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the idea here is just like he's he's going to use it up as much as possible. But in a real situation, like if you got to schmooze some people to get them to do business with you, you might need to have a party and have some yep. food and drinks. So that That's would true. make sense that the circle would have to provide that since you can't. But Chris moves her whole entourage into the DM and then they immediately start complaining about the rooms. And it's like, well, nobody invited you here. So <laughs> and uh, I, I like that Akron takes the opportunity to be like, I mean, maybe there were more to Vayon's motivations than we realize. Doesn't he deserve a chance to explain himself? Which is another one of the small changes from the original version. In the original version, it's Chris who goes like, oh, I think that he deserves the chance to explain himself. And Akron in the scene is just like, no, clearly he's no good and we should kill him. <laughs> so I guess I guess they want to make Akron's eventual betrayal a little less obvious. I don't know. Curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. <laughs> I was thinking it and he said it. Yep, there you go. And so we get to the end of the day and Ace is like, OK, so there, there's not going to be an attack today. You're safe. And so she's like, okay, well, we'll we're gonna repost the watch one day hence, as per the code of the assassin's contract. <laughs> it's it's just so funny to me. She ends up being wrong about it, and she's like, no, I'm not wrong. Yeah. These people that are trying to kill you, they read it wrong. And Clearly, like, the assassins are the ones who are wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's like the assassins just read it wrong. Yeah, it's like we could have just avoided just like in the middle of this fight. We could have just gone, hey, 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 you guys have the wrong day. And they just go, oh shit, sorry, and they leave. <laughs> yeah, that's what she. Like, did you guys not read the? Hold on, let me just pause. Let me get the book, and I'll I'll point to you why you're not allowed to fight today. Our bad dog. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll see you tomorrow. Oh, we're we're attacking you. That wasn't in the contract. He's right. It isn't. Who wrote this? <laughs> yeah. Same time tomorrow, fellas. I'll, I'll act surprised. I promise. <laughs> and I I actually kind of like this next bit as Chris and Kenton are heading to her test. And Chris, the noblewoman, who is used to being in a leadership position, sees all of these people coming up to Kenton and wanting decisions on random stuff. And she's like, dude, you need to learn to delegate. You, you, you can't be the one person that everyone comes to for every little thing. 
And this point is driven home to him when a guy comes up and he's like, okay, so we want to know, should the ladders have 12 steps or 13 steps each? Because, and he goes into detail about why 12 steps might work, but why 13 steps might work. And Kenton's like, yeah, okay, I'm delegating this. Like, he just, he just leaves the guy standing there, goes and talks to Ellerin, and then comes back and says, yeah, Ellerin's got this. And like, what's yeah. it? Was this guy just talking talking the whole time about steps in the ladders? And then kids just like, hey, hey, buddy, wave a hand in front of his face. Honestly, I don't even feel like that's uh, you need to delegate to Ellerin. I'd be like, you know what, buddy, I trust you. You got this. Make the yeah, decision. Exactly. <laughs> that I know is exactly what I would say. I'd be like, look, man, just, you, you got to figure it out. Don't even ask me on this one. He was just trying to take a, like a good work health safety perspective. Mm-hmm. He should be commended for his actions. <laughs> but, yeah, sometimes you're like, you know what, maybe we're overthinking it. Use your better judgment, sir. <laughs> I mean, but I also, get it. A standard... been... uh, I think we're going the same direction. Gen- Have you ever been on a staircase that your steps aren't a standard height and it, it messes you up every time? Yeah, I was about to say, I oh. get it. The standard staircase is so many inches high, it normally only has 16 steps to a section. Like, I understand. We find Ellerin busily at work in the kitchen? Like... I'm not entirely clear on what this guy's job is currently, to be honest. Like, he showed Chris to her rooms earlier, and now he's making food. But uh, Kenton gives him a new job. It's like, you and Deeran are now in charge of day-to-day operations, okay? Handle it. <laughs> also oh, no, not I'm the dreaded Deeran. Say again, Jamie? I was just saying, classic. I've already been given 15 jobs because I'm the most capable one here, and now you want me to take on everyone else's bullshit? Yep. <laughs> All right, fun. <laughs> I like, I, it even, like... It it even artistically sets itself up in a, that kind of scenario because then we just see a panel of like people lined up to talk to Ellerin about the the bullshit yep. problems that they have. It's just like, oh, dude, that sucks. <laughs> see if but, you're Ellerin now, that this is where you're like, Deeran, come here, you 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 take care of this. <laughs> it's like I gotta and, go to lunch. But, I gotta take a shit. Can but, you but, please <laughs> talk to these people, please? <laughs> but at least now Ellerin has a desk. He's not standing in the kitchens doing this shit. True. That's true. Imagine he like just holds court in the kitchen. It's just like, all right, I'm making a pot of stew. <laughs> like, if you if you want your if you want your uh, problem fixed, you gotta help me make this stew. <laughs> we'll get to know each other over the pot, and we'll figure this out, buddy. You and me. Chop up some carrots and uh, tell me your problem. <laughs> yeah, tell me your problem. By the time we're done with this like, stew, I guarantee you, you won't think it's a problem anymore. <laughs> oh, I actually like that. The ladder slice. Right? I'll help you with your problem if you help me with my bigger problem. <laughs> Pretty that's soon, that's that's when you get people taking initiative, and they're like, I could go ask Jamie for help, but she's going to want me to do something. So I'll Yeah, she's going to want me to make a stew. <laughs> you walk into Ellerin's kitchen, he's like, I got to make food for this whole damn place, so you tell me you got a problem? I got a bigger problem, man. You better make this stew. Like the guy with the ladder rungs thing is 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 coming in, and he's halfway through his spiel, and and Ellen's like, "The fuck are you coming to me for this bullshit for? Get out and start smacking him with a ladle." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> go on, go on. Wait, wait. Before you leave, taste this. Is it good? Okay, good. <laughs> now go. Now get out. But uh, we get to the testing. They get to uh, I don't know. It's like there's seats and stairs. Looks like an amphitheater or something. And it's got uh, what looks like trash cans, but we've seen before. They're like they just keep sand in these. In case somebody needs some sand. Sure. Never know when you're going to need sand when you master it. And uh, so he gives Chris the test. He's like, you hold it. You you try You make the connection. You, you give it water. You make it do mm-hmm. stuff. And it doesn't work. 
Was anyone else disappointed that it didn't work? Did any of us think that this was going to work for her? I didn't think it was going to work. They they just keep talking about how like they don't think somebody from Dark Side could do it. Mm-hmm. And so on the one on on the one level, I'm like, come on, prove them wrong. Just right. just shove it right in their faces. But at the same time, they have conditioned me to not think it's going to work. So I didn't yeah. think it was going to work. I mean, I think even and I think she says this even she didn't think it was going to work. In fact, she's relieved it didn't work because she's yeah. like, I didn't actually want to join the DM. I, she's like, I'm not going to stay. And you would have to send those like, <laughs> guys after me. And I don't want to deal with that. So <laughs> I don't want to deal with assassins. I'm just desperate and I need to try something. OK. And then they go out and they scout out the dueling pit and Dryle, I guess, he's just hanging around here waiting for Kenton to show up so he can talk shit. <laughs> Dryle's just like, oh, oh, all right, let's go. And Ken says, no, it's not for yeah. another three days, buddy. He's like, no, oh, he just sits back down. He's just like a schoolyard bully just waiting there. He's like, you're dead, Kenton. Next yep. time I see you, you're dead. It's like, okay, when are you going to actually do something about it? I do like that Kenton calls out. He's like, as I recall, you said if I survived the Maestral's Path, then you'd eat Taunt Guano. So maybe uh, go ahead when and do is, that. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> when is that going to happen again? I got this bag right here. Big bag of Taunt Guano. Yeah, I've been carrying it around ever since. <laughs> yeah. It's like, why? It's like, you know, it's a bet's a bet, man. Everyone keeps asking me why I stink so bad. <laughs> yeah. I've been waiting for this chance. <laughs> yeah. So it's either you eat it or I throw it at Lord Vay, so you know, pick one. Everybody keeps asking me why I stink so bad, and I keep saying, ah, it has to be bet. And they're like, did you lose? And I'd say, no. <laughs> this is me winning the bet. Yeah, this is the opposite. I'm waiting to find the guy that lost the bet. So then we go back to Lord Vay's place. We get white top hat guy, who I still love his outfit. Uh, but he's just like, yeah, you, you guys go over there and wait. <laughs> I don't know why this jumped in my head. It's like, you must be the Monopoly guy. <laughs> That's what Ken should have said. I, I don't know. I think I think it may just be that we've never seen anyone else wear a hat like this in this entire comic. Like, this is this one guy's style and only yeah. his. And I appreciate that. Yeah. He uh, he knows what he likes. But uh, I, I love that Lord Vay keeps them waiting for a long time. Despite the fact that he knows what's going to happen, you saw what happened last time. But so Ken has to make a he, he does not go and try to master sand again and bother everyone. But he does make a, a veiled threat or comment. It's like, I, I expect the tribute to be paid for the same reason as always. And the Lord Merchant, who I guess has just been standing behind the door listening this whole time, is like, no, no, OK, yeah, he can come in. And Ken makes a real nice attempt to just bluff with absolutely no cards here. He's like, yeah, I know the secret. What secret? You know, the secret that the, the, the secrets, the secret one. I know. Yeah. Just, that always works for me when I'm just like, yeah, I know that thing you told that other person. It's like, you do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> talk about it. No. Oh, okay. See you later. Yep. Stop talking so much about the thing you don't understand, buddy. Yeah. They, starts to fall for it and then he's like he 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 picks up on it he's like oh yeah well what secret is that lord maestral and kept like the secret that we both know <laughs> just good try buddy <laughs> oh boy and uh so yes he fails to uh blackmail the vote out of this guy which like it's unfortunate i guess but what are you gonna do and so they go to have lunch because eric's hungry because eric's always hungry and that's when assassins attack and the chapter ends. But we do get a, a, a yeah, exactly. This is uh, what, what exactly what Dax talking about here. 
we get a, a very nice essay by Chris about what she's seen here. And she's like, so sand ribbons can do these things. So launch someone into the air, slice things like a razor, create decoys from sand, which we did see with the hologram thing, throw up a protective shield, deactivate other ribbons. So she's like, I wonder if they could do these other things. If they can be razor sharp, then could Sandmasters fight with like blade arms, similar to how the star carved fight. So that's curious. Blades or whips. And I, 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 I like her drawings of both. I love her uh, little diagram here of um one guy going full Dr. Octopus with the sand. I'm like, yep. if, if I had sand ribbons, that is 100% what I would do. I've always loved the Doc Ock yeah. arms. The, the Dr. Octopus thing does look very cool. I think if I had that, I might be like the first two, like like one blade arm, one whip arm. I think that looks uh, very cool. Yeah. If I could sand master. You want to go, ba- think, you go uh, Balrog? Balrog. I think if I could sand master, I'd like try to focus it and make it into like an armor plating around me mm. that way like you know you could just like make your fist harder or like kind of more like the last picture that she draws here yeah like not like a whole suit like a not like not like wait like what's his name did in the lost metal yeah uh, that, that's exactly what i was thinking that, that this looked very similar to what yeah it looks uh, similar what to what there. he does i'm not thinking that so much more just like you know what i'm thinking of honestly it's gara from naruto something like that and if you're not familiar with that, it's he has a sand demon that lives inside of him that protects him by like just forming sand around his body wherever he's struck. That does sound similar. <laughs> it's, it even involves sand. Yeah. Chapter 14 is these lost causes, which I'm kind of I'm liking the ti- the chapter titles. They're all, they're all fun. And so he has to throw Chris down like, look out. And someone says, kill him. And Eric's sitting here eating like, jeez, oh, I got to interrupt my lunch, which he doesn't interrupt his lunch really uh he keeps eating while uh ace and kenton start taking out bad guys she says seven he goes make that five she says three so they're taking out multiples in quick succession and then eric has the very cool moment where somebody shoots a dart and it goes past his head and he just picks it out of the air and throws it away and then he tries to get the waiter's attention but the waiter is also an assassin so that's unfortunate and he's going to shoot kenton in the back so eric actually has to stop eating to save him if this is your usual service, I'm afraid I won't be recommending this menu to my friends. Yeah, it was a real quippy moment there. Yep. That fits Eric, though. It does. Yeah, it does. It was a little too Spider-Man-y for my taste. I was kind of like, come on. <laughs> it is It is Spider-Man. You're, you're not wrong. I hadn't thought of that until you said it, but you're totally right. And then a guy gets a hold of Chris, and he's like, I'm going to kill her if you don't. And then he gets shot in the back. Which really, given the way he was holding her in front of himself, that was a bold move to shoot him in the back and not worry about hitting her. And her immediate thought is like, oh my gosh, Bayon? And it's not. It's Akron. He's like, nope, it was me. I shot him. And she's like, hey, I gave that gun to Professor Cinder. And he's like, yeah, but Cinder, he says, can be such a cack-headed oaf, cack-handed oaf, I'm sorry, that I thought it best if I bring it. It's rather louder than I expected and then uh, so Ace says that she's going to see if she can find some clues on the dead bodies as to who's organizing the attacks. But also in her head, she's like, I also want to see like what that thing, that weapon just did, because, geez, that's new. I guess it's not new because she saw Kenton use two of them with his sand things earlier to shoot some guys. But yeah, this is kind of an overarching comment on the series as a whole so far. But this, you know, just Akron in general just reminded me of it. I do. uh, One thing I do appreciate about this series is the 
and the juxtaposition of the cultures is like on the one hand you have assassins who you could set your watch by on day side it's like they're not going to attack you until this day yep. and on the other side of it in, on dark side they use a ton of subterfuge and spy work and like you're not going to know until the moment they betray you what they're going to do so i do kind of like that that differences between the culture to even in, even in those terms it's like in the terms of warfare and death, they're even like almost opposites. It's an interesting, interesting uh, perspective there. Hmm. Sorry, now you got me. You got me considering this. You said we 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 only have this one window to the culture of Dark Side through like these few characters that we brought along, and half of them are apparently like yeah. secret secret bad guys. So I think that's I think that's what kind of sells it for me. It's like if if we only see five of these people. And and two of them were bad guys, and the other two were gonna. We find out later we're going to sell her. Like, yeah, these people are uh, pretty shady. Yeah, we talked about before, and uh, our uh, the show's penchant for looking for secret bad guys. This is like secret bad guy smorgasbord in this book, for real. <laughs> Everyone's a secret bad guy. They are on some level. Kenton is gonna turn out to be that. secret bad guy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, I know we throw this quote out a lot, but to some perspectives, he is evil. He's the bad guy. The, yeah, the, the, the yep. Christian religion definitely sees him as the bad guy. Yeah. From Not secretly. Per, from the, mm-hmm. Yeah, from the curtsy, from the Kurtzian's perspective, Kenton is evil. Uh, are we the baddies? <laughs> <laughs> and we get uh, we get some Kenton like internal monologue about Eric and wondering, you know, he, he left. Now he's back. How long is he going to be back for? He's been running from responsibility for all this time. Meanwhile, Chris gets a meeting with the Lord Beggar and has to run off to go to that. And the Lord Beggar uh, makes his mistake here where he calls her Chris. I didn't pick up on that straight away. It wasn't until she said it that I was like, oh, yeah, he did say that. I just kind of assumed that like he heard other people calling her that. uh, And probably if you go back and look, he didn't. But that was what I thought. But he sounds like he did. I thought it was a typo. He's not a very pleasant individual, really. No. I was like, I can't imagine that he would consider himself so familiar enough to use a nickname that he heard someone say. Mm, that's true. Although maybe maybe that's exactly why he would do it, because he's not very pleasant. He's like, she totally wouldn't want me calling her this, so I'm just going to do it. Yeah. No, I didn't catch it at the time. But now looking back on it, like it does make a lot of sense. Like the first time he sees her on Dayside. He's like, get her out of here. Yeah. You know, it's like he obviously uh, wasn't wanting to reconnect. And actually, we only see him through her eyes, I think. I'm not sure that we ever see him so far, at least, when it's not her perspective. Maybe he's a real nice guy to other people, and he's just a jerk to her. Um, We briefly saw him at the party, like sure. Ace. So it's like, oh, hey, Noto's here. Yeah. But Chris was still there. And he didn't really say anything. So yeah, who knows? Sure. He could have been being very nice. Yeah. And we get just as the Lord Beggar's leaving, Akron shows up. He's kind of pursued Chris through the streets to be like, oh, I'm supposed to be protecting her, which now reads in a very different light now that we know why he's here. And I don't know if you guys have noticed, but this is where it really jumps out to me for the first time is you see a face in the clouds on uh, what is this page? 377. Yes, that happened several times in this section. It was something I wanted to bring up in the show because I was like, what's going on with that? You actually, it it, it has become more common, but throughout the book, these the faces are hidden in the sand and the clouds and stuff. Mm. 
just like the one Chris sees in her photograph thing. Yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I did not understand what that was. I mean, I had not noticed. Maybe, uh, maybe it's supposed to be autonomy, but I have no idea. Yep. Just, uh, I thought since it, they're getting pretty prominent that I would mention it as we're going. So but yeah, Lose, I mean, uh, it's one of autonomy's avatars or something, maybe. Yeah, we we do not know at this point. Who could it be? It could be the Sand Lord. It could be. I don't know. And uh, so we cut to Ace and Kenton, and she's like, hey, I'm close to catching this really important bad guy, so I'm going to have to go and do that. And Kenton wants to go, and she's like, yeah, no. He's like, okay, then. I mean, I'm going to go speak to the Lord Farmer, so you, if you're supposed to spy on me, you'd probably want to be around when I have that kind of meeting, huh? And she's like, fine. We're going to stop at my home first. You will not embarrass me. And then she makes him stand outside her house anyway, so... Do not draw attention to yourself by doing anything heretical. But he goes with her to this place where she's supposed to meet someone who know who like works for Sherzan and is going to betray Sherzan or something like that, an informant of some kind. And then they hear someone walking on the stairs, someone with a limp, and she's immediately like, "That must be Nilto. It's a trap. It's a trap." And she has a very Batman moment of jumping out the window with her cape flying in uh, behind her before the place explodes. The building was rigged with naphthani flame. And he goes, geez, that stuff is expensive. Someone must really want you dead. And so she's she's sure that Nilto is Sherazan. So she's like, Nilto must have caught our informant and discovered the plan. And then in the next panel, Natisse is telling Chris, oh, yeah, Nilto has agreed to see you. So you're like, uh-oh, Nilto, uh, he, he might be doing something bad here. Oh, no, he has not agreed to see her. Sorry, that was earlier. This is where she's like, oh, yeah, by the way, Nilto's not going to help you. He's leaving town. So you're like, oh, Nilto's going to escape before she can catch him. Good move, I guess. And the Duchess goes to the docks and she yells out, Gavin. He's like, huh? So you figured it out because he called her Chris. So, And he says, you've changed, Chris. You would never have noticed such an error before. Yeah, he's really disrespectful to her, I feel like. <laughs> you're not and wrong. It's just, and it's just like, yeah, you don't, uh, you know, I didn't, I did not think you would be able to figure this out. I did not take you to be that smart. <laughs> yeah at this point i'm like what did you even see in this guy i mean she says that there wasn't like really love between them that it was like a political thing so hmm. yeah it was like an arranged marriage right sure. but yeah so he has been hiding out here he can't go home not with his face like it is apparently <laughs> so he's gonna stay here and help people who need help and he says that really like his country those people don't want to be saved ellis's elite were just waiting to be rid of me so they could crawl to skathen and accept his rule but uh, also, Skathen has agents everywhere, so if he heard that I was alive, he would make sure that I did not stay that way. And that's when Akron's like, yup, that's right, I am Skathen's agent, and I'm here to kill you. It's like, well, you rang? Yep. <laughs> and he's like, you know who I am. I, you just heard me say I don't want to go back. Like, I'm clearly no threat to the dynasty. And Akron's like, yeah, and you never will. Uh, and then he gets hit by a box that got kicked from the top of these crates all over here. And it's Bayon who's changed his look so that, uh, you know, he's wearing a local outfit, which is probably smart, given that his big blue coat was kind of noticeable, apparently. And Bayon's like, man, I, I'd almost convinced myself that Cinder would be the one. He says, Skathen never trusts soldiers to do as they're told. He always sends backup. I was like, yeah, like someone has dropped a box on this guy. And uh, I think, oh, yeah, he's down for the count. Maybe we should you know, restrain him or kick the gun away from him or something. And he just, he's just like, like, well, while, while you're all having this reunion, I'm going to just get back up and shoot someone. Yep. 
That's what I was going to say. Everyone turns away from the guy on the ground, except Natisse, who is standing right there staring at him. And he's just like, he, he he picks up the gun and shoots Bayon. And Gavin's like, he still has one shot left. Run if you want to live, woman. And so they run in different directions. And Akron seems to uh, be pursuing Chris for some reason, which not who he was trying to kill earlier, but whatever. And uh, she bashes him with a, she, she like pulls a, a lever and makes a hook come down and bash him like a cargo loading hook. And she's just like, geez, I trusted this guy. But I guess I really didn't know him personally. I trusted him as a professor. Bayon was right. I'm judging people by titles instead of judging the person. And uh, the Nilto here is like, oh, you saved me. Even after everything I said, she's like, yeah, but, uh, you know, you can come back to Ellis now. You'll be safe. You can help your people. And like he, he's like, safe. You led the this assassin right to me. This is why I can't tell anyone. There's there. They would all be trying to kill me. And he's like, also, you know, my face. I can't go back with this face. I no longer have a role in Ellis, a country too afraid to be saved. So I'm going to stay here and help people who want to be helped. Mm, tough, tough thing to hear from your mm. former betrothed. And then he's like, and you know what? Now that we know who the assassin is, I guess I don't have to leave town. And we get back to Bayon, who just got grazed by the gunshot. He's OK. And so he was employed by the dynasty to determine if the Sandmasters were a threat to the dynasty. And he determined that they were not. So his mission was done. And after that mission was done, he was also going to complete the mission that he was hired for to protect Chris, even though he was hired under false pretenses. He's uh, loyal to his word, I guess, even as a spy, which is weird. And so the bottom of page 388 is the biggest difference I noticed between the original book and this version. So Chris is Chris, Bayon, Natisse all up front. And she's like, hey, I guess now that uh, Cinder's or Akron is gone, I need a bodyguard again. You want to help me out? And he says, I'd be honored, Duchess. In the original version that has been cut out of this one, in the background of this image, you see Nilto off in the distance and he's looking at her and he has this like thought or speech bubble where he's like, you've grown so much, Chris, you've grown far beyond me. Like you deserve better, just like kind of this noble giving her up thing. And I think they decided that that's not necessary and uh, gives his character more credit than he probably deserves. Yeah, I think taking it out is probably a good call. Yeah. I mean, he already said earlier, it's like, well, you've outgrown me. So, yeah. Yeah. And some of that dialogue may have been changed. That may they, they may have moved some of that into the earlier section. I don't I didn't notice, but that could also contribute to other. I didn't need to say this anymore. But it doesn't sound like he's like not. Sorry, it doesn't sound like he's sad about it. It's an observation. It's like, oh, you've outgrown me. Cool. Yeah. Like he sounds indifferent. So to have them this frame and whether they change that for this version or not, I don't know. But. To have him then go, you know, like looking off, oh, Chris, you're so smart now and blah, blah, blah. Like, just doesn't seem like he's longing for her. He doesn't want her. He doesn't want any part of his old life. He yeah. just wants to move on. Yeah, agreed. It it, it would feel out of place now. So, mm. Deeran comes in to say that the Lady Mason has agreed to vote for the Diem, Lord Maestral. He's like, wait, what? Like, yeah, apparently she heard what you did to save those people in the construction site collapse. And she was like, hey, this is sand mastery, maybe useful after all. And then Chris comes in and she basically gives Kenton a quick, up, quick update about all the stuff that just happened. And he's like, OK, that's that's a lot. All right. And like he tells her, you can't have sand masters on dark side. It's a lost cause. Trust me, I'm something of an expert on identifying those. And Kenton's like, hey, it's nice to see you. Bayon, when Bayon comes in, he likes him. I feel like everyone's and, just so quick to be like, oh, he was an assassin? Okay, cool. Oh, <laughs> we trust him again? Okay, cool. Like, Welcome, welcome back. Yeah. No one concerned. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
we don't even see Cinder's reaction. Cinder's just like, oh yeah, Bayon just came back and said that that Akron's dead and that Bayon's good now. So okay. <laughs> and wasn't the wasn't Cinder the one that had all the suspicions? Yep, I think so. About Bayon too. I just yeah. I can't imagine that he's sitting there going, oh okay, well we cleared that up. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Bayon is just so capable that they that they're gonna all have to acknowledge. Like if he wanted to kill us, he would have done it. Like there's we could not have stopped him. So. Mm. We'll just go with it. And she's like, so wait, wait, what about Captain Daryl? Did you actually kill him? He's like, oh, yeah, Daryl was an idiot. Like, he was planning to just sell you guys to a border patrol, and that would have ruined the expedition, your expedition and my expedition. So I couldn't let that happen. I still had a job to do over here. So I was like, well, I may as well stick with you for that long, at least. And then Eric comes in. Drop whatever you're doing, Kenton. The Lord Merchant and the Lord General are missing. It's all over town. People say they fled the city (laughs) to avoid casting votes at the council. Again, such like a weird line for Eric. It's like, drop whatever you're doing and listen to me. <laughs> listen to me. I have important things to say. Yeah. Hear ye, hear ye. It's, All you Sandmasters. It's, it's, it's a very Bender line. It's like, guys, drop whatever you're doing and pay attention to me, Bender. Everybody shut up and listen to me. Uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, I'll pet him. I'll pet him with both hands. <laughs> <laughs> and Ken's like, no, they can't do that. And Ace is here to give us, you know, the legal perspective where she, she's like, no, actually, they can do that. Um, it has to be a unanimous vote. And so if you abstain, then it counts as being against uh, you. So, yeah, not being unanimous. That is a bummer, man. And so he's like, oh, crap. Now we got to go find them and make them come back. OK. And we're going to go meet a friend of Vay's, a fellow Christian, the Lord Farmer, and see if we can find out where they went. And chapter 15 is called Waves and Ripples. So we get there, and uh, we, we as we enter the scene, Ken's just like torturing a guy. Uh, at least, I guess from a Christian perspective, where you know being touched by sand mastery is sacrilege. Yeah, and this is like the slide back, Ken. This is what I'm talking about. Like he's sliding back. Yeah. And he's like, "I'll do it. Do what I say, or I'll keep torturing this guy. I swear to God." And he, like you got Chris and Eric over to the side, and Eric's like, "Yeah, this is gonna help." <laughs> And the Lord Farmer's like, no, they made me promise not to tell. Please, please. I don't, don't, don't do this. Please don't kill me. And Ken is like, this is where Ken's like, am I the bad guy? Like, geez, I feel like an <laughs> asshole now. So he's like, fine, I won't force you to tell me. I'm leaving. And Chris is like, oh, Kenton, I don't understand all the words you're speaking, but I can recognize a man who's running out of options. So she goes to meet Nilto again. And she's just like, oh, hey, Gavin, what up? He's like, shut the, f- what is wrong with you? What are you doing? <laughs> Also, like, she just happens and to find him now. Before, it was very much a, you need to set up these meetings, and he will come to you. And now it's just like, a, oh, there he is. Yep. Now she's, she run, she's, him. Him. she's walking around the street like, hey, you, you know where Nilto went? I need to talk to him. And so she she's going to, uh, she's going to, like, uh, strong arm the Lord Beggar. She's like, look, <laughs> hold on. I want to set up that scene you just made. It's like, hey, do you know where Nilto is? Uh, I'm looking for him. Somebody's, like, points over him. He's like, that's him right there. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, it worked out. <laughs> you walk up behind somebody, he's like, hey, do you know where Nilto is? And he turns around and it is him. And you're like, oh, well, that was that was easy. Just just hang out by the medical dispensaries. He has to come and get fresh bandages every couple of hours. Yeah, and marijuana. Don't ask me why. <laughs> he really must need fresh bandages a lot, right? I guess. Given that he's constantly I mean, they bandaged. His, his, they say that his face is ruined, but like. Where? Because like both eyes are working, he still has a nose. His mouth looks okay in this art. Yeah, the right. the the general structure that we can see looks all right. Yeah, is this like is this like that theory on Doctor Doom for a while? It's like he's actually only just got one tiny little scar, but he's like it's ruined, ruined. 
Although, and I don't know if I just didn't notice before or if they made it not obvious before, but when you see his face here, he does seem to have much darker skin like other people from the dark side. And so it's like, oh, man, maybe I should have noticed before that he was a, clearly a dark sider. Yeah, I did notice that same thing. Honestly, I thought maybe it's the new art that is making mm, him look darker. Could be. Yeah, she's going to strong arm him. Strong arm him. She's like, I want information about where Vey went. And if you can't get it for me in an hour, I'm going to start spreading your name around and we'll see how long it takes for somebody else to come kill you. That's what you get for leaving me at the altar, dickhead. Right. So he's like, fine. And she, we just got a little over an hour later and she's like, oh, yeah, I have sources, uh, Kenton. And my sources say that Vey is hiding in Lorizer. I don't know how you say that. That city name. Lorizer. And he's like, oh, my gosh, Chris, that's amazing. How did you? And she's like, I have my sources. Don't don't worry about it. It is a three day round trip. And the vote is in four days, so this is a tight timetable. Look at you. It's a three-day trip. Three-hour tour. So we get to the docks, and the dock master's like, yeah, yeah, there's no ships. And he's like, but there, there's tons of ships. You can't tell me that none of them are going where we need to go. He's like, I'm telling you that you can't get on. There's no ships for you, Lord Maestro. Of course, you're welcome to charter a ship, but last I heard, you don't have much money. And here comes Delius, who has the ability as Lord Admiral to just take a ship whenever he wants, wherever he wants. I also love how he just walks up and sells this guy out and it's just like, oh, hey, uh, nephew, favorite nephew of Faye. Uh, you know, I need a ship, man. And this is one of the differences from the original version. In the original, the Dockmaster is actually like, yeah, my uncle Lord Vey told me not to let you leave, essentially. And so I, I like the way they did it here better. And so uh, the the Lord Admiral's like, I'm going to, y- y- hey, where, where are you guys trying to go? And Ken's like, oh, we're trying to get to Lorazer. I'm not going to say that name anymore. And he's like, what a remarkable coincidence. That's where I'm going. Well, I spoil it for you. We saw Guardians 3 the other night. And I'll just say there's a running gag in there about the incompetent nephew of the boss. And it's no. like, I just, so now looking back at this now, I'm just like, oh, I could totally see that here. I'm seeing it tomorrow. <laughs> I didn't pick that up. That's cute. <laughs> hoping, hoping it's good. I don't know anything about it, and I don't know if when I will see it. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. And uh, so we we cut to on the boat. They're just uh, it's, it's all good now. And Ken's like, you know what? This is the first time I've actually felt safe since assassins killed my fa- or from assassins since my father was killed. She says, even the people you trust most can betray you, Kenton. Which she has very recent experience learning that. Although it sounds to me like like a threat. She's like, maybe I'll betray you. You just wait. <laughs> and overboard. And so he, he's decided that now that they're on the water for a while, he's going to try and improve his sand mastery further. And he's going to overmaster to work out those muscles and try to get more powerful. Mm. So I don't know all the ins and outs yet, but I've got a theory about this okay. bit here. So I'm wondering if the only reason he can he got more powers after overmastering is because of the dark side of his genetics. Uh-huh. Because, you know, maybe maybe overmastering for him doesn't kill him because he's got half of his side that doesn't like go with the sand. I don't know. That's just that's a working theory. I don't have very many details to go with it. Yeah, maybe part of his nature is connected to, like, the magic of Dark Side, and so, like, the combination of the two magics does something different. Mm. Yeah, or maybe he can also... That's true, I didn't think about that. Maybe not the other Sandmasters, but maybe Kenton could use powers on Dark Side as well. 
not Sandmaster powers, but like uh, whatever the Star Carve or whatever they call it. Yeah, the Star Marker, Star Carved, or yeah. Interesting question. It it does seem unlikely at this point, with only three chapters left, that we're gonna spend any or much time yeah, on Dark Side. That's but a, that's a good point. Maybe the last, the very last panel will be they worlds. reach Dark Side and he like realizes he has superpowers. <laughs> But I don't know could. why, but that scenario jumps to my mind. He's just he's on his knees on a beach. There's a there's a broken Statue of Liberty and he's on dark side. <laughs> he's just like, damn you. Damn you. So Kenton collapses from overmastery and Chris is like, no, Kenton. And he like comes back to life just to be like, dude, will you please stop yelling? You're like right in my ear, man. <laughs> so loud. Why is it so loud? And so he's very weak yeah, after this, hangover. and he can't use Sand Mastery anymore, so he's just sitting out here, like, being kind of sad, and Lord Delius comes up, like, hey, have a drink! He's like, uh, again, I have to decline. And he doesn't have his Sand Mastery powers right now, maybe he can get drunk. <laughs> Without whatever weirdness happening happens. We still don't know, I want to know what happens when they drink. And this is where we find out Delius's story. So, first off, when they, they, when they make you Lord Admiral... They take all your shit. They they take all your possessions because the law says everything the helm owns belongs to the Lord Admiral. So that means that he doesn't need to own anything personally. He has the power to commandeer any ship. He gets all the food and drink he wants. But really, the position of the Lord Admiral is just how the ship owner circle keeps power over its members. Don't get too much more powerful than anybody else or we'll make you the Lord Admiral. So he used to be a merchant and was a super successful merchant, almost had enough money to become the Lord Merchant. Until he went in on a deal with a buddy of his, a lackstone mine, and basically his buddy screwed him. He lost a ton of money, and his friend, Vey, made all the money and became the Lord Merchant himself. And he was so disgusted that he changed professions and became a merchant uh, fleet guy instead. Within a decade, I had a fleet so, of mercantile ships to rival any on day side. Sorry. Yeah, I always assumed that like his opposition to... Lord Vey was just like a petty, well, the Admiral's got to vote against the merchant. That's just how this works. And it's like, turns out, no, this guy just fucked him over earlier in life. So he's like, anything you do, I'm going to say, fuck you. Yep. I mean, on, on some level, hard to blame him. Yeah. <laughs> Especially since the people he's ostensibly representing, he also doesn't like them because uh, they did this to him. So really, he, he doesn't have anyone whose interests that he needs to vote in favor of. And so, yeah, he's he he made his way to the top of the mercantile ship game, but he didn't pay enough attention to the ship owner circle. He didn't understand the nuances of uh, how that worked until suddenly he got elected and they took everything from him again. He lost everything a second time. And Kenton's like, I'm so sorry. Like, no wonder you became a sot. Well, do you know how much a bottle of wine costs? Which we established earlier. You guys are even like, I assume he's not drinking wine. He's drinking, must be drinking this other thing, given how much. No, no, he's drinking not just wine, but he's like, I don't go for the cheap stuff either. Like you can, a bottle of wine can be between a hundred lakh for the cheap and over a thousand for the best. And I don't drink cheap wine. Good on him. Yeah. Good for you. So, uh, so yeah, he's, uh, he's making them pay the only way he has. And here's another as the ship sails on page 404, another face in the clouds. They're hiding all over the place. <laughs> the circle's not going to pay. They have insurance. The insurance <laughs> guys are going to pay. And they deserve to pay. <laughs> and we get a very brief conversation between Chris and Eric, where Eric's like, 
Responsibility. He says responsibility kills. It sucks the soul out of a man and leaves him a poor imitation of what he could have been. And so I think Eric has been here this whole time helping Kenton, but kind of hoping that the DM would go under so that Kenton could be free of this responsibility and just, you know, maybe these two buddies will go out together and travel the world. Responsibility. And Chris, as a leader and a, a duchess, is like, um, yeah, leadership's kind of important, Eric. And he's like, nothing is worth the expectations, the responsibility for other men's deaths to kill so that others do not have to. Nothing. It destroys a man until he escapes. I did. Maybe Kenton will, too. And then we get the conversation between Kenton and Ace, which we touched on before, where she's just like, yeah, I don't know. They they those assassins should not have shown up. They're only allowed to attack on odd numbered days. It's very clear here in the book. And Kenton's theory is like, well, wait, so maybe the guy in charge hasn't been reading the book all of his life. He doesn't know the scripture back to backward to forward. And she's like, well, then he wouldn't be a very good Christian, would he? Exactly. Yeah. Ken's like, maybe they're not a Christian. Maybe this person, like we, we talked about the Akar is letting Losandian people in, right? And he's like, maybe, maybe it's even Dryle. Maybe Dryle has converted and he's the one behind all of this. And she's like, a Sandmaster? Yeah, I don't think anyone's let, like, being the enemy of, of Sandmastery is top of the list in our religious uh, hierarchy here. Like, they're not going to let a Sandmaster in. He's like, I don't know, times they are a-changing. Maybe to destroy the DM, he uh, the Akar made a deal with what he saw as the lesser of two evils. And she's like, yeah, sure, whatever. And uh, we arrive in town. There's a guy to meet them at the dock like, oh, Lord Admiral, we weren't expecting you. And uh, apparently we've been here for a bit already because a moment later they're like, oh, Kenton, you're awake. It turns out that Chris and Eric have already been in town because Eric wanted to scope out the restaurants. I don't know what it is, but I just like the character trait of Eric. Eric is like the like if, if this was a movie, Eric would be uh, Brad Pitt and just always eating. <laughs> yep, I was just thinking that. <laughs> and so they find where Vey is and Kenton just uh, they, they don't want to let them see Vey. So Kenton just has to start yelling like I figured it out. Finally, I'm going to take this ledger and turn it over to the high judge if you don't come out. And Vey's like, no, no, no. Hey, I'm here. I'm here. Let's talk privately without the, the shouty shouting. And Ace is – I like how Ace is like, oh, you're trying to leave me behind, huh, Lord Maestral? Which it was Lord Vey who insisted he come privately. I don't know why you're trying to blame Kenton for that, but okay. And Kenton's like, oh, no, Ace, actually, you should come. You need to hear this. And so it turns out that – and I don't know if anyone called this. The DM does not owe five million. They are owed five million lakh by the Lord Merchant. And it turns out that the whole Lord Merchant thing also kind of sucks because – you inherit you inherit the assets of whoever was Lord Merchant before, but also their debts. And apparently for several Lord Merchants, there's been a lot more debt than asset. So that's unfortunate for them. So apparently there was a, a very dumb man named Hennen who was Lord Merchant. He became Lord Merchant after inheriting two separate fortunes, but had absolutely no business sense. The Lord Maestral opened a savings account with a, a very good interest rate on it. And since the maestrals never have to pay for anything, they just kept putting the tribute money into there and uh, getting more and more interest on the money until it became this outrageous amount of five million lakh that was owed to them, more than anyone could ever pay them. And ever since then, all of the, the Lord maestrals have just kept this going. They're like, you got to keep paying us or uh, the the tributor will tell. And then as soon as the tribute comes in, they're like, OK, we'll put it back in that savings account. Get us more interest. And it turns out the high judge knew all about this. Decades ago, her predecessor ruled that the debt should be paid in full should the Lord Maestral ever demand payment. 
So it would be Ken has some serious leverage here. He could continue to blackmail this guy and may, basically make Vey do whatever he wants him to do, just like the Lord Maestrals have been doing for decades, apparently. He could try to force the Lord Merchant to pay him the money he's owed, which I don't know how the law here works, but you may very well be able to like transfer the debt. Like Kenton owes the farmer and the artisan. He could be like, well, the Lord Merchant owes me, so I'll just – he owes you this money instead now. I will give you like a, a certificate of, of the of the debt. So there's lots of ways he could get out of this. Instead, Kenton, being the the noble guy he is, is like, you know what? This wasn't fair. This never should have happened in the first place. You don't have to pay this debt. We're going to consider it void. And Faye's like, but what what are your demands? It's like, no, nothing. Vote however you want to vote. And he says, this is preposterous. You must want something. He's like, yeah, actually, I do. I would like a loan so that we can pay out the DM can pay off our debts. We'll make pay back the money by working for the artisans and the other professions. And you guys, the guild, will get a, a handsome interest on that loan. And I don't have to vote for you. No. He's like, ah, but if I don't vote for you, there won't be any DM, so I won't get any money. I see what you're doing here. I accept your proposition. You're a cruel bargainer. I'll curse your name in front of the other <laughs> merchants right up to the moment I vote for you. I will, however, pray to the Ken sand lord like for a... your soul. <laughs> Yeah, I love, I love how Kenton's just going, no, that's not what I'm... Oh, fuck it, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and eventually I, he seems to figure out, it's like, oh, he was, you know, he was trying to do me... Okay, I get it. But in the moment, he's like, what? No, no, what? Yeah, it was good. Yeah. It also, I think, makes Vey feel better because he's like, well, it, you know, it looks like Kenton's tricking me, so, like, I feel better about betraying how I feel about the DM because I don't really have a choice. Mm-hmm. It lets him set up a, a, a convincing argument for, oh, no, I, I really didn't have any choice in it. When in reality, maybe he's just not that bad a guy. He's like, I see someone trying to be a decent person and I want to try to be a decent person back. I need an excuse, though, because my religion will not allow this. When your religion prevents you from being a decent human being, maybe you should reexamine. I'm just saying. And so Ken's like, OK, well, I guess we'll leave as soon as we pick up the Lord General. And Vay's like, wait, what? Bragging to see Regent, however you say his name. He's here, too. Didn't he come with you? No. All right. So this was my wild theory. Before we got to this part and we knew what the secret was, I thought, wait, because it, it really does sound like they le- they went together because they go to the same place, which I'm like, so they went to a different place or they went to the same place, but not on the same ship and they didn't go together. I thought maybe these two guys were secretly lovers and that was the <laughs> secret. Lovers in the nighttime. Yeah, that oh. was the secret that was trying to be protected. But, you know, that was not the case. No, Lassie, they're, 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 they're a couple. They're lovers in the nighttime. He can't quit him. <laughs> he can't quit him. Uh, Love Psych. Psych. Yep. Yeah, I was watching that uh, yesterday. So we, we come back downstairs to find the Lord Admiral in an argument with the owner, with the members of the ship owner circle. We all have this nice outfit with, like, a circle uh, in on the chest. I guess that shows who's a member. That's That's a helm, dude. Oh, is it? That's a ship's helm. It totally yeah. is. Okay, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, the the little steering wheel, the helm. You're right, you're right. When you're right, you're right. And so uh, he's just like, oh, yeah, don't worry, guys. We're going to leave as soon as the Lord Maestral finishes his business. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, you might find that difficult without a ship because as of now, you're no longer the Lord Admiral, so you can't t- commandeer any more ships. By unanimous vote, the ship owner circle strips you of your title. Your drunken Your drunkenness has been an embarrassment. For long enough, consider yourself released. And he's like, oh, okay, good deal. 
wine steward, do you have the documents? And it's like, yeah. He had these ready. He's had these ready the whole time. Yep. Yeah. Moment, I think my favorite thing we is this. that, uh, which I know, you know, I know why it was, there was subterfuge involved. But I think my favorite thing about it is like his wine steward is his son. Yep. And he just calls him <laughs> wine steward the whole time. Honestly, we saw this. I think this was the kid we saw earlier. Where I was like, is that a, I think that may be a woman. I don't know. But yeah, it's uh, he's just he's he's like, I'm going to sign this thing real quick. OK, all done and legal. Uh, tracked Ace, will you go ahead and uh, confirm that this is legal? And she's like, oh, yeah, sure thing. This is all in order. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, what's this? More drunkenness, no doubt. Yeah, contracts about <laughs> drunkenness are very common. <laughs> yeah. And also, I like how he thinks the tract would be like, yeah, a contract about drunkenness. This is in order. Yeah, it all looks fine. <laughs> These are deeds to a fleet of ships, 12 of which I believe are docked in this city right now. As Lord Admiral, I couldn't own any property, but that didn't uh, prohibit my servants from owning anything. Even if the servant is my own son. And he like ruffles his hair. <laughs> So he uh, he was continuing to his his genius at business through his son and everything under his son's name, which I'm surprised that if he managed to collect such a huge fleet under the name of his son that the ship owner circle didn't notice. Maybe he learned to be more subtle about things after what happened. I guess because he was just acting like a drunk, drunken fool. They never paid attention to what he was doing. Maybe you think they'd notice like all of these ships and who owns them is hanging around. Since that's kind of their whole business. But yeah, I don't know. And so he's like, and you know what? I think I'm going to send our whole fleet to uh, basically cut off all access to the port of Kazar, Kazari, whatever, for the foreseeable future. Maybe maybe a month. And the guy's like, what? That would cripple the helm. Well, when you steal a man's fortune, give him a title mocked and reviled by the rest of the nation and give him five years to contemplate his hatred. Maybe you should make sure you never give him a chance to get revenge. Remember that next time. (laughs) Oh, that's so perfect. I love it. And then he's like, hey, I nominate this asshole who's been doing all the talking as the new Lord Admiral. And if everybody votes for him, maybe I'll reconsider that thing I just said. <laughs> and everybody votes for him. And the guy's like, what? Wait, no. Motherf- motherfucker just goes scorched <laughs> earth on these assholes and they have no choice but to bow. It's so great. He's prepared so perfectly for this. And then he's like, hey, you know what? I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm going to hold all of your wealth and ships personally. And if you vote for the Lord Maestral in the council in in a couple days, like I promised I was going to, maybe I'll give you back your stuff and we'll elect somebody else. So I like that he's still looking out for Kenton. That's nice. And uh, he, he explains it. He's like, I know what it is. I, I know treachery and what it is to fight against impossible odds. What was done to your profession is, isn't right. And I'm not going to support its destruction. And this is where Chris is like, Hey, Lord Vay seems real calm. Cause Lord Vay's just walking with them or something. And, uh, it's like, what happened? It's like, oh, I forgave a debt that he owed five million lakh. And she's like, you did what? <laughs> it's great. And so, but they still have one missing Taisha to find. And that is where we end our, our chapter. We've got a lot of votes now. We're, we're missing the general, but the general did agree to vote for them. So that's good. Who else do we've got? We've, we've got the merchant, the admiral, the general. We got the mason and the artisan, assuming that uh, Kenton can pay off his debts, which he now seems like he'll be able to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, who farmer. does that leave? The farmer. Farmer didn't seem to like him, but he's friends with Vey, so yeah. maybe, maybe I think he'll just vote with Vey. If I remember correctly, they make it really clear in the prose version that the farmer just votes however Vey votes. Uh, but I could be misremembering that. Are we missing anybody? Do we still need somebody? Oh, the judge. We still don't know about the judge, actually. Like, What's her deal? Yeah. So she's she's still the wild card, I think. And uh, And hopefully we'll find the general, and he's still planning on voting for him. 
So, okay, that is, uh, that's, we are now five-sixths of the way through this whole thing. We have three more chapters left in the White Sand Omnibus. So what do you guys think? How is this going to wrap up in three chapters? Complicatedly. But, uh, okay, so how this is going to play out. All right, the trial fight is coming. I'm fairly certain Kenton is going to win that with however many new ribbons he winds up with. But as he does, he's going to accept that Dryal has some points because that seems to be what he's what Kenton's arc has been about. He's the radical who wants to change things, but he needs to recognize that other people want to change things as well. And while he might disagree with what they have to say, he shouldn't just like write them off out of hand. So I think mm. he will beat he will beat Dryal in the fight, but he'll do what he did with Vey. He will win the confrontation, but then say, "I want your help. Work with me rather than against me." And Dryle will actually just be taken aback by that and be like, oh, okay. And so, yeah, Kenton will help him to his feet. Because hmm. I just feel like that's 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 how Kenton's been succeeding this whole book. So I think that's going to happen with Dryle as well. It's going to be the hardest yeah, one to Learning swallow. not to just fight people and yeah, yeah. actually work with people. Yeah, I agree. That does seem to kind of be his arc. Yep. For the Lord General, I think he's actually dead. And it's and it's going to get handed over to, like the title is going to get handed over to Arik because there's been a bit of a little bit of a reconciliation between the two, and it seems as though that title is hereditary. Like Arik mentioned that it was, so Arik will get the role. He'll absolutely hate it, and he'll want nothing to do with it. Kenton will basically coerce him into voting for him at the thing, and so Arik will do that, and and in doing so, basically accept his role as Lord General, and he will resent Kenton forever. Ooh, yeah, I mean. If that were the case, I imagine he would, given what we've seen him talk about responsibility and how he left to get away from yeah, like, yeah. Kenton and, and stuff in the first place. Yeah, he would resent that, probably. Yeah, I sort of see this as like uh, at the end of the book, Kenton will have turned his worst enemy, Dryle, into a trusted friend, but he'll lose his actual best friend, Arik, into uh-huh. being an enemy. So it's like, yeah, a little perspective flip there. But yeah, Arik will still vote for him. Like, cause like he'll do do that for their old for the sake of their old friendship, but then after that he's like, yeah, all bets are off, buddy. Hmm. Yeah, so and then after all that, I so I still think the High Judge is the final enemy. I think she's the one organizing the assassins. I think Dirin is her agent, who was the traitor in the DM. So I think Dirin, I still think Dirin is the traitor, but I think he's just a pawn. Like High Judge Mum is still <laughs> like the overall enemy, and then and then eventually like it'll like. I don't know. Ace will come out with some evidence that that Helis is actually Sharazan, arrest them, and then a new judge will be appointed who's more amenable and uh, allows the DM to keep going. I don't know who that's going to be. Maybe it'll be Nilto. That'd be fun. Um, what, if, what if Ace became a judge? Oh, that could be good. It's like then she's got to vote in favor Whoa. of the in favor of the DM, and just like oh, that, would she be, though? I don't what know. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, at least he's letting me do it this time. <laughs> that's true but yeah that's that's how i think all that's gonna roll out i have no idea where chris's story is gonna go i'm gonna say that now but that's where i think all the stuff about the dm and the and the, and the kenton side of things is going okay okay yeah i, I, I see the logic there one question for you hmm. so you're sure. like he, he he's gonna beat dryl with however many new ribbons he gets from overmastering so the first time he went from one to three how many new ribbons? How many ribbons total do you think he's going to be able to wield after this? I don't know. It's Brandon, so you assume there's a logic behind it. Maybe it's a cubic thing. Maybe he goes up to nine. Hmm. Wait, no, that's not how that's not how cubing one works. Damn, uh, I don't know. <laughs> he's, 
He's he's gonna have lots. Okay. <laughs> I think I think we learned Dryl has twenty five. So if yeah. it's yeah, a matter of brute force, then he would need a lot more to get to match him. Yeah. Oh, it's not gonna be a brute force thing though, because that's not Kenton's style. Anytime he's tried to brute force anything, like it has failed. But it's when true. he uses his finesse and his and his strategic thinking, that's how that's how it works. So it's gonna like I think he'll actually come out with less than Dryl, less ribbons. But he's going to use them in such a way Dryal wouldn't expect, and so he'll beat him that way. Like, okay. uh, yeah, easy. It's interesting because yeah, that matches up with what we were just talking about about Kenton's arc. Is that in a way it's that same exact thing where when he tries to brute force a conversation with somebody, it does not go his way. But when he actually, you know, thinks and maneuvers, then hey, suddenly things work out. Yeah. Okay. All of Zach's predictions are really good, and I don't have anything that good. Um. <laughs> I feel like I've been really failing making good predictions for this whole this whole section. Uh, besides the random stuff we talk about in the middle that just ends up happening to be true. Maybe that's my problem. I need to hold my predictions till the end. But yeah, I, I'm not sure exactly where we're going. I, I would guess that the DM is going to be reinstated. Uh, it would be quite a turn if the DM was not reinstated. But Dak makes some interesting points. If Eric did become the Lord General... Or the yeah, if he became the Lord General, like you know, we keep the our the, there's been a theme in this book. It's like people close to you betray you. It's like Eric, his best friend, could be the person that votes against him, and then the DM is not reinstated, and and so that would be. Good I'm point. just gonna go with that. That like it's not gonna be reinstated. That like the book's gonna end in an uncertain place for Kenton. That mm-hmm. would be that would be quite a turn. It would be a very unexpected ending for this character in this story arc if like things did not go well for him at the end if especially because he worked so hard to get all his ducks in a row and then like the person he trusted most like screws him over that would that would really suck so i'm gonna go with that just because it's different and uh, i can see it happen i think i think ace will find out who who the bad bad is I don't know that i agree it's the judge it would be i think it i think it makes sense to be the judge I think that would be interesting if it was as a judge, but I don't know. I want it to be somebody else because I want the judge to be end up being a good person because the judge knew about the debt, which, you know, she didn't tell Kenton, but she knew about it. So that makes me like like for me, I want her to be testing him like he needs to figure it out. He needs to stand on his own two feet kind of thing. Oh, OK, um, I was I was wondering where that was going, because my first thought was like, you knew and you didn't think to mention like that's kind of mean. But I see I see your point. OK. Yeah, like she wants him to figure it out. Now, on the flip side of that, what you just said, like, yeah, if she knew about it and didn't tell him, that does seem to be kind of evil. But anyway, yeah, I want to say that the judge is actually good. I know we've been making lots of jokes and there's lots of things pointing towards her, but I'd prefer it if she ended up being being a neutral or good character at the end. And um, yeah, I I don't know what's in store for Chris. I, I'm almost wondering if her the ending for this story in her per in her area is going to be ambiguous on purpose because of what comes later for her but yeah that's about all i got Mm. okay i'm trying to yeah i mean i i agree with you that it's at this point it's kind of hard to even guess at what's going to go on with chris just even just in this section there's been so many turns in chris's story that it's like oh, oh 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 okay um so yeah where where is that going all we really know is that sometime in the far future 
Chris is running around with a uh, I she likes to have a, a, a dude for a sidekick. It seems like we got Bayon here and later she's going to ha- be hanging out with Naz. Yeah. I wonder what happened to Bayon. Good question. Yeah. What, what happens between here and there? Who knows? Brandon probably knows. Um, yes, I think there's been good predictions already. Most of what I was going to say, I think, has already been said. I don't, yeah, I don't think we're going to get a resolve to Chris's story. We've spent no time on Darkseid. We know a little bit about the magic, but only kind of what's been introduced fairly recently over there. I think it's fairly safe to say that the Sandmasters are not the answer to their problems, so I think it would be a bit bold to be able to solve their problems in this story. So I don't think we're going to get the any more of that. We also know still that she can't go home from from later on. So if she can't go home, that would suggest that there's still unrest and problems. Whether it's this problem or a new problem, unsure. But mm-hmm. yeah, that would that would say to me it's not resolved. I like the idea of Arik end up ending up being being um, the the thorn in Kenton's side. I think that's pretty cool. I was also sort of thinking that if the judge was Sharazan or some other bad figure, not quite sure how, that maybe Ace would replace her, which would then put her in the difficult position because we know she's already having conflict over what her religion says, that she must hate Kenton, but morality, he's actually not a bad person. So I thought it would be kind of interesting to put her in a position where she had to actually make a choice. And so whether if like if she became, we already know that she's a senior tract. So if she became the high judge, then that might do that. It would be really interesting to overcome that, have that become a a vote in Kenton's favour, and then to have Arik go nut. Not happening. Would be quite interesting. There's obviously still stuff going on with with Arik. We haven't had any you know further resolution really from his little golem conversation. Uh, in the last set of chapters we, that we read. So there's there's stuff to still be resolved there. And I feel like it's more than just, I don't want this for my friend. Like, sure, you might think your friend's going down the wrong path, but have a conversation with him. Don't don't just sabotage everything he's doing. Yeah. The overmastering. I, yeah. I, 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 I agreed with Dak. I thought nine. I don't think he'll get as high as Drile with his number of sand. Things, but it would be cool if he could use it in a slightly different way than than the rest of the DM. Yeah. Nilto, not sure if we'll see more of him, whether he'd come back in and help them or something in the end. Mm. There was the point about, you know, if you get the Lord Beggar on side and he can influence other people, even though he doesn't technically have a vote, that could influence other people. But yep. I don't know. It's hard to tell. It could go one way or the other, really. I guess we will have to find out, huh? Because we don't have to wait long. <laughs> right. Uh, it turns out that we don't find out whether the DM gets uh, reinstated in the last three chapters. <laughs> because there was suddenly assassins attacked. And yep, assassins it. attacked, and that's the end of the book. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> if that's how the quality ending, I swear that would be. God. <laughs> it's like, final judge, how do you vote? Assassins! Yeah, we still have. I mean, we talked about we talked about it earlier, but yeah, we still have secret bad guys to unmask. We've got whoever Sherazan is, whether it's the the judge or whatever, whoever the traitor in the DM is, whoever the uh, is running these assassins, whether it's one of those other two or not. So uh, yeah, there's uh there, there's lots of secret bad guys that need unmasking in this last section. But yeah, so I I really like your thought, Jamie, about like which yeah was kind of based on what Dak said, but it's like. 
she becomes judge, so she has to vote, and the person you think would vote against Kenton votes for him, and then the person that you think would vote for Kenton votes against him. That would be a very that'd be like a roller coaster ride of of a few moments in in yeah what would assumedly be the end of the book. So that could be very interesting. And I mean, oh, we thought Brandy, that Eric was very neutral of you. <laughs> we thought that you know Eric might have been behind poisoning the um the the maestrals and mm-hmm. members of the dam. I mean, if his dad just kind of suddenly went missing, he did sit down and have a meal with his father. Ooh. Maybe he's poisoned his dad, too. Maybe he knows exactly what he's doing right now. That would be a dark turn. Mm. Oh, in fact, to add to that, you know what? Who's the one who said that's where Lord Regent went? Arik is. He could have just given him false information from the start. Oh, yeah, he's the one who said that, like, yeah, they both disappeared and people are saying they went off together to avoid voting. So, yeah, you're right. Interesting. Hmm. Which, given all of his like tirades against authority or what, or being or responsibility, I guess I should say, if it turned out that he was really trying to become the Lord General by killing his father, that would that would I, would, I was gonna say that would be very difficult to see coming. Except you just predicted it, so maybe not. Hmm. But yeah, okay. But not because he wants to be it, but because he wants to stop Kenton. Oh, killing your own father to stop Kenton—that hmm. would be going a long way. That's some commitment. Mm. I mean, if, if, if he wants, we're the same now. We don't have dads. If he wants Kenton dead, though, like dojo, he stopped a guy from shooting Kenton in the back in this section. But he doesn't want Kenton dead. Oh, I see. Yeah, he, he wants he to go wants, off with his buddy. Yeah, okay. yeah. He wants his yeah, friend. He wants, he wants, his, to, he wants to have adventures. Sunset. Yeah, he wants to make out hard. I mean, I get it. <laughs> he can't quit him. Like we said, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's got the he's got the dusky good looks. <laughs> like I get it. Come on. <laughs> Okay. Okay. I, I I actually this is a very very like convoluted and deep evil plot, and I I really like it. Like it's far fetched, but things start to add up. A mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Eric's gonna jump in right at the last moment. He's gonna bite Kenton's finger off, dropping the ring of power. It's a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> just uh. Sorry, Kenton. We'll just make a sand finger. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, and then he'll go off on a boat with the elves. It's the whole thing. Actually, Eric decides, look, Kenton doesn't Chris, want to come and face me, but, but Eric decides, oh, Chris, uh, not Chris. Eric decides that Kenton doesn't really want to come and play with me, so he'll go off with Chris, and it turns out he's going to go by Naz now. And he's mm, like, there you go. with Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yep. new, new, new life, new name. <laughs> hey, Eric, what do you know about maps? No. <laughs> You'll learn. <laughs> You'll learn. So speaking of what's going to happen next, for next time, we are going to finish these chapters. And actually, I'm even going to give you a slight spoiler for the very first page of what of the next chapter that we're reading. Oh, yeah? Because, uh, Dak, you, you, you should be grateful at their restraint. Because instead of ending on Assassin's Attack, the first page starts with oh, Assassin's no. Attack. So they could have ended oh, this book, sake. or they could have ended this chapter with the Assassin's Attacking, but they waited until the, the first page of the next chapter. Oh, huzzah! That huzzah! Make it better. <laughs> <laughs> how many how many times can we start or stop a book with Assassin's Attack? So yes, uh, th- only three God. chapters left. I don't think there's an epilogue or anything like that. In uh, there's uh, nothing like you need to read after the fact. There's no Ars Arcanum. I guess Chris is not advanced <laughs> enough to have come up with the Ars Arcanum yet. Although, really, her notes throughout the book are kind of the Ars Arcanum. So. Yeah. I wonder when they were writing this that issue of the comic, if they're like, look, we've we've already ended 
like three of these with assassins attack can you not end it with that and they're like well that's what happens next (laughs) okay can you just start the next one with that then let's not end it with that again so chapter 16 17 and 18 to wrap things up for anyone who's following along if you're following along in the in the prose version read until the end if you're following along in the uh the graphic audio version listen to the end that's I, I, I couldn't give much advice on following along in those in the other episodes, like how much we would be how much you'd need to listen to keep up with us. Now I can do it. Just just go go till it's done till they stop talking or till there's not more words to read and you'll be there. So in the meantime, we have one new email that I was going to read. This one is from Amy. Amy says, hello, Sander Lance crew, especially data, because most of this email will be stuff you can't read to the others. I messaged you on Instagram a while ago, sometime last year, under the username The Ravenclaw Reader, which I went and looked at the Instagram, couldn't find the message. I don't remember. If, and she says, I don't, I don't know if you guys read it on the podcast. I don't remember if we did either, to be honest with you, because that's a year ago and uh, that's hard to remember. I will say The Ravenclaw Reader is a cool username, and uh, I, I like you for that, Amy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I think we did read it because that that name sounds familiar, and I think we remarked on it at the time. Oh, that's a cool name. Okay. I mean, I, I probably would have. So, yeah, um, she says, I have no idea if you guys read it on the podcast or if emails or something you still you guys still do. It is. We're, we're doing it now. I found you on Spotify last year <laughs> during my busy season accounting internship, and you helped me find the motivation to work 60 hour weeks and plan a wedding at the same time. Oof. I, I didn't get a chance to listen much after that. But this tax season, I jumped back into listening. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll pause there because the next section is the part that's just for me, but also to say 60 hour weeks. And planning wedding, oof. Also, congratulations on the wedding, unless you planned it and then it didn't happen, in Yay. which case, condolences. Yeah, in which, or in which case, also, you know, good for you. Maybe congratulations. Yeah, there could have been a good reason for it. So, you know, yeah, yeah. just running the whole gamut of uh, hopefully you ended up yeah. happy, whatever happened. Right, and hopefully, you know, we don't. We also don't know if this was your wedding you're, you were planning. Maybe you're oh, a wedding true, planner too. for somebody else, so, you know. In, in, Whatever in her spare happens. time, as she's right. an accountant, sixty hours yeah. a week, and then does wedding planning on so the side. So much spare time that she has. There. Yeah, yeah. We, let me tell you. We hope you got some you time. Yeah. No we joke. hope you did you, however you needed to do you. I'm um, sorry, we started predicting what happened after that. Right. Yeah, that was probably that was probably the wrong way to go with it. So uh, you can blame me for that, but uh, you know. <laughs> so um. She has a section to me. She's like, I'm on episode 66 right now. You guys just started Elantris. And then she goes into some some stuff about uh, mm. calling out some predictions that some people make and uh, and how uh, how crazy they are. And I'll just be like, you know what? You're right, Amy. It's, it's freaking crazy. And then uh, Secret Project 1 spoilers over is where that section ends, if that gives you a hint about what's being discussed. Joe, Jamie, and Dak consistently make me feel stupid for missing the connection with all the knowledge nuggets, but in the best way. Just wanted you guys to know how much better you make my horribly hectic life, and I'm continually grateful for the four of you. Wasing to the time of next. Hold on. Oh, that's so sweet. Don't worry. Uh, data makes me feel stupid all the time, so, you know, it's no big deal. <laughs> ouch. Ouch. Why is that ouch? You're the that's, one making me feel stupid. That, that, that hurts my feelings that you feel that way. Just... What? No, you delight in it. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, okay. Thank you, Amy. We appreciate you. If anyone wants to send us an email, the address is thesanderlance@gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Patreon and Instagram, where our next thing comes from. Because as we were uh, starting this record, I got a message on Instagram from Megan. Hey. And what Megan says is, hey there, love your podcast. Came here to listen to your podcast 
because I was looking for a podcast version of Book Club for Brandon Sanderson books. I've just finished reading the Mistborn trilogy, and I'm listening to those episodes. So if she continues, it'll be a long time before she gets here. <laughs> just came across the episode where one of the members talks about going to a wedding in Regina. Is it Regina or Regina? I think it's Regina, but I'm not sure. Yes, I think it's Regina. And I laughed out loud. I'm from and live in Regina, and everything nice. mentioned about the experience is on point. Just wanted to let you know <laughs> you have at least one listener here. Cheers. Hey. So thank you, Megan. I enjoy Regina. I, I don't. I don't know what to, what to do with that necessarily. But see, see, see. The, the thing is, like, I was telling that story, but I, I wasn't there for it. I was telling a story of what happened to my friends. I wasn't able to make it to the wedding. Mm. Yeah, that's true. I remember this now. I don't remember it at all. So I'm glad somebody does. I was, I was 100 percent sure D- Dak and Jamie were both gonna be like. Yeah, maybe we went to a, I don't know. It's so long ago now. That I was mean, when we, were we have flown to the like U.S. for a wedding, but it wasn't that one. <laughs> yeah, we didn't make it to, to a, Can- a Canadian wedding. No. Oh, Canada. <laughs> we have also one new patron. Oh, so patron. Get, get, get your, get your. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, I've got it. I've got it on my thing phone as an image now. So let me, let me pop these fairing lists up here. Okay, hit me with it. So this person initially pledged on May 1st at the uh, the misting level, mm-hmm. and then up to their pledge a few days later, they are now at a shard of adenalcium level. Oh well, you are just a gem. So uh, and uh, you this you, this backer, I haven't given you a name yet. Let me give you a name. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. This uh, our our new patron is Gustav. Gustav, you're a wind whisper. Nice. Your senses. Hmm. Very nice. That 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 might be if I was going to pick a fairing, that might be high on my list of choices. Especially since I suspect mm-hmm. that uh, that 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 is how they figured out a way. Telson talks about like, oh, we figured out a way to not feel pain. I suspect that that's how that you store your your sense of touch, and so you don't feel the pain. Yeah. Also, you you know something smelly, you could start storing smell. You know, yep. you don't have to smell it. But then if you need to be a super smeller, like smell some poison in a cup of wine or something, then you super smell it up. Unless it's iocane powder. Yeah, you don't want to do that. Then you know, it's odorless, so yeah. you wouldn't smell it. Right. Don't nobody want to go to jail in Mexico. <laughs> and finally, we have one new review this week. So we got a little bit of everything going on this week. Our new review is from J.G. Sebastian, and it says, I love this podcast more than Wayne loves hats. It's true. We all know Wayne <laughs> can't go without his hats. Well, I can't go without this podcast. It's addicting. Like candied snacks, the taste of cotton candy made of baby. Rusts. This show is good. The predigment section is my favorite. Rusting great it is. The chemistry is so good, and the crew is such a pleasure to listen to. It's so refreshing and genuine. This is now my lucky podcast. How do I know, you ask? Well, I've never died while listening to it. Oh, that was terrific. That was great. Yeah, you're a, you're a leecher. Ah, leecher's a good one. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I haven't given that one out a lot because I forget about it. I thought with all the Wayne love in that one, you were going to go for, for Slider. I think but, uh, I think the but, last person I gave was a Slider. I didn't uh, want to do it twice in a row. Gotcha. All right. Well, okay. That is all of that. So we appreciate everybody. Thank you. Uh, I already said where to go if you want to send us an email. You can also find us on Patreon, where uh, currently being posted is my first uh, read-through of the Frugal Wizards Handbook to Surviving Medieval England. So if you're interested in my initial reactions as I'm reading this for the first time, then go out and hit up our Patreon. Like I said, for next time, we're going to finish out this book. And then 
for for those of you who've been paying attention, you will know we are moving on to Warbreaker. So if anyone is following along, Warbreaker is going to be next, and it is available for free from Brandon's website. So if you've never read it and want to, go out and download it and uh, give it a give it a read. Read it along with us, just like people are doing with White Sand. It will be an entertaining time. Music by Miracle of Sound. Three chapters for next time, and wasing to the time of next. Hold on. The desert has a soul.